I'm Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome to the Love You podcast, where you'll learn how to operate from a place of confidence and make better choices with men. When we're done, I'll let you know how you could apply to Love You to create a passionate relationship that makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Hey, it's me, Evan, and uh, I am in a really leisurely space right now. I'm generally pretty high strung. You might have picked that up, but it's a recording on a Friday afternoon. Kids are out of town. Wife is grocery shopping for a backyard birthday party that I'm having this weekend. And I got a list of things that I want to talk about. I'm only going to do one thing at a time. I'll probably record a few podcasts today, but the first one I wanted to talk about is something that's been in the news. So I don't want to wait too long to talk about it, and that is the Barbie movie. This is now and it's sort of part of our cultural zeitgeist. If you haven't been following, the short version of it is that Mattel uh, licensed their property. Barbie turned it into a blockbuster starring Margot Robbie uh, and Ryan Gosling as Ken. And in the movie, the premise is that, I mean, I don't think I'm giving anything away with spoiler alerts. The premise is that you know, the Barbies are really happy and they live in Barbie land and everything is perfect in Barbie land and women dominate everything. And there's President Barbie and there's Dr. Barbie and the Kens are just, you know, handsome doofuses who live to serve the Barbies. And then Barbie has a moment of awakening and discovers the real world and in the real world, the roles are reversed and it's a patriarchal world and people catcall her and she doesn't get the same respect because of how she looks and men, including Ken, realize they have more power in the real world and then come back to Barbie land to try to wield their masculine power before the women uh, turn the tables on them and restore order to Barbie land. That's about all I'll say about it without actually giving everything away. I'll just give most of it away. And... I saw it with my wife. I saw it with my two kids, boy and a girl, 11 and 12. And like coincidentally, I got this email the next day. It's as if someone was spying on me. Hi, Evan. I've only recently discovered your site. I'm finding your videos on YouTube really interesting and helpful. I just saw the Barbie movie and I hope you'll do a piece, a piece on the changed patriarchal Ken and his desire to have a long-term, long-distance, low-commitment, casual girlfriend. It is everything you've been saying to avoid getting into, and therefore, as the film has such reach out there, it would be shame not to do a directly do some direct commentary on it. I just ended a relationship with a man wanting to do a Ken on me, so it's uh, very appropriate. And amazingly, we are in our 60s, so it's by no means something that just the younger patriarchal Kens want to try on. Thanks for your wisdom and your sharing. Yours, Carol, in the UK. Yeah, the patriarchal can, and I don't like using the word patriarchal over and over again. I think it overstates the case about how much power men have. And we're not just talking about the guys in the Fortune 500, but on a day-to-day -day basis, if you ask most guys, do they feel like they have power over women? The answer is no. But that does not mean there's not historical patriarchy that is worth exploring and looking at. I don't think of this as a patriarchal thing. I think of this as like a selfish thing. If there's a guy who can say or do what works for him completely on his terms. It would be like, hey, could I have a job 
where I come in for one hour a week and get paid a million dollars for that hour and someone gives you that job, you say yes to that job, right? Because it is all win and no loss. And I think that's sort of a, a no-brainer, I would think. When women agree to have sex with men who put in no effort, it's the equivalent of him getting the job where he could show up once a week for a million dollars. Again, a slight exaggeration. Depends on how good the sex is. That was a joke. But imagine a guy says, hey, I'm a busy guy. I have an important job. I travel responsible for my kids. All the time I got is to be able to see you on Friday night every other week and occasionally text you. Right? Or I'm out of town and I really like you and I don't need anybody else. I'll, I'll be exclusive with you. I just, you know, you know, right now I'm not in a position to, you know, because we're in different cities, I kind of like come in, you know, every once in a while and we'll have an amazing weekend. And as long as you're cool with that, I'm cool with that. And the woman thinks, oh, we have a connection. Maybe he'll fall in love with me and he'll what? Move to my city for me or he'll quit his job that has him working 70 hours a week. And there's all this wishful thinking about hoping that men change. It's not really how it works. This, it was really funny in the movie where, where this Ken talked about how he wants to be in a long-term, long-distance, low-commitment, casual relationship. That was so familiar because men are never going to come out and say that. They're just going to do that. So is it on them for wanting something that takes zero effort but gives them all the rewards they want? The long-distance booty call that requires no brain space, no emotional availability, right? Completely on his terms. If you sign that contract, that guy has no incentive to renegotiate that, which is why we never even start on that path. I don't think this is something that is uh, inherent to younger men. It's largely consistent with men where who could easily separate sex from emotion and are glad to have, you know, it's the old Charlie Sheen line. I don't pay them for sex. I pay them to leave. If a guy doesn't want or need that kind of real integration and connection and you're okay with it, then it works for him. He's not, he's not going to stop. He's not going to kick you out of bed. He's not going to stop the gravy train. So that's ultimately up to you not to blame Ken or the patriarchy for the decision to be what we call and love you, the permanent intern rather than being the CEO. A couple more observations I want to make about Barbie. I don't want to do a you know, 45 minute podcast, but I do want to share some of what I thought while I was watching the movie and some other things that sort of popped up around it. Number one, I was really surprised that my wife was moved by it. Uh, my wife is generally happy-go-lucky, basically apolitical, moderate on most things, like I'm moderate on most things, leaning towards liberal, but, you know, certainly not, wouldn't call herself a prototypical feminist, not a particular lover of Barbie. We didn't go dressed in pink. We kind of went because people talked about it as a good movie. And it was a good movie, I think, after it hit its stride in the second act. I'm sorry, I'm a screenwriter. I, I got to talk like that. And so at the end of the movie, she came out and she was just a little misty-eyed. And she's like, you know, that, that speech really got to me. And the America Ferrer speech at the end, where she talks about how difficult it is to be a woman and the many contradictions there are. You could be, you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you want to be strong, but not bitchy. And you want to have your ambitions, but you don't want to make men uncomfortable and you want to set boundaries, but you don't want to be, be seen as cold or aloof. Or, I'm paraphrasing. But the many contradictions, real ones that come with being a woman. Uh, and I do get a, a window to that every day as a coach for women to listen to them tell me their version of their life story. 
I thought was an amazing, powerful speech, but I was really surprised that it hit my wife because she's not a career woman in the same way. She had a career for 16 years before we, you know, we had kids and she went on eternity leave. Uh, I'm going to trademark that, so don't even bother. But she went on eternity leave when we, uh, when we had kids and never went back. And so I was really surprised. And she said basically that the perfectionism is just so deep in her blood and she got it from her mother and she got it from her grandmother, which is, again, really one of our, the only issues we have in our relationship is, hey, we're having a party this weekend and it's going to take my wife 72 hours to prepare for the party. And the party's just a four-hour party and we're getting catered food, <laughs> but everything has to be just so. It's like every time we have something to our house, it's like a, it's the equivalent of having a wedding. We have to have the floors clean. She has to get her eyelashes done. It's this sort of self-imposed perfectionism, which I don't, she's not doing it for me and it's not for the male gaze. Just, I'm, not, I'm not sure if she's doing it for the what other women think. If she's doing it for herself, I should probably ask, but it's definitely something that I see more in women where you could see guys who are like, they'll let their bellies hang over their thing or they're not going to uh, engage in as much uh, hygiene, for example, or dress up for every date like women do. There's just a little less focus on the external, which as a woman, you might say, well, that's too bad. They didn't need to focus more on it. But there's also just more of an allowance for imperfection, I think. And I'm not sure if it's society and patriarchy or if it's women themselves judging women for their imperfections. But I do think there's something that's paralyzing about it that is somewhat societally unique to women. And I found the speech to be really powerful and refreshing. And, you know, one, one of the things with my wife and I is I like to have real conversations with her at the end of movies. And sometimes she's like, I liked it. <laughs> that's her version of a conversation. With this one, we actually sat in the kitchen and talked for about 25 minutes afterwards. And it made her sad for the, our daughter who's growing up and She's 12 right now and she, she, she's not, she saw the movie, but you know, wasn't as impacted the same way because she hasn't had, she hasn't been hit by the world as it is and mean girls and scummy boys and uh, body issues. She's just right on the cusp of that. So my wife was kind of like teary eyed for my daughter about what she's about to face as well. That was the family take on it. And then per the speech at the end, which again is was a rousing speech about the contradictions of being a woman. Um, my friend Megan Down, who has a wonderful podcast and substack called The Unspeakable, wrote a version of that speech for men. Now, if I wrote that speech, it would turn out different, right? So I'm, this is not to impugn this, but I'm sharing the speech because I thought it was interesting, but I think a speech would come out even different if a man wrote it. I just didn't want to do that much prep to write a rousing Barbie speech today about the contradictions of being a man, maybe another time. But here's what she wrote about why it's hard to be a man. And this is really taking the cadence of the original speech. So if it sounds stylized, it's because the original speech was stylized and she just substituted male sounding things into that. It is literally impossible to be a man. You're so strong and so capable and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like we always have to be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be ripped, but not too ripped. And you can never say you want to be ripped. You have to say you want to be fit, but you also have to be ripped though nothing's more important than being tall. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because you shouldn't have to ask. You should just earn it and keep earning it. You have to be a boss, but you can't be an asshole. You have to lead, but you can't be seen as a bully or insensitive or old-fashioned or just not getting it. You're supposed to love being a dad, but God help you if you want to stay home with your kids or take paternity leave. You have to be in touch with your feminine side, but also be the protector. 
you have to answer for women's bad behavior, which is insane, like sometimes literally insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of not listening, not caring enough, or of gaslighting. You're supposed to be good-looking for women, but not so good-looking that you seem unserious or vain, like you're overcompensating for something else. You have to distinguish yourself without seeming like you're trying too hard. You have to make your accomplishments known without bragging or coming across as desperate. You have to win at the game by making sure that you know the system is rigged in your favor. You have to say this even if it's not rigged anymore, or at least doesn't feel that way. Or maybe it is rigged, which means you don't actually deserve anything you've ever gotten. But you, don't, but you got it anyway. Or maybe you didn't. But in either case, you have to be grateful. You have to understand that for all this power you supposedly have, you don't actually have much power when you're young. You have to grow into your power, and until then, you endure years of humiliation. And still, you have to time things just right, because older is not the same as old. Older could work for a while, but once you hit old, you go back to being humiliated and stay that way until the end. You never have to get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fall, never fail, never show fear, never cross a boundary without permission. It's too dangerous. It's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says, says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only you're doing everything wrong, but everything is your fault. I think that's a start, and I appreciate my friend Megan for writing that. This isn't like a men's rights activist podcast. I'm a male dating coach for women, and a good portion of my job is explaining, right, genuinely mansplaining, because people want to know, what is he thinking? And sometimes what he's thinking is different than what you're thinking. Why? Because he's a different person and he's a different sex right? and he has a different life experience. And it doesn't mean the thing that he's thinking is wrong just because it doesn't agree with you. There are times that men are absolutely wrong, right? There's no defense of cheating. There's no defense of sexual assault. There's things that there's absolutely no defense of. But when it comes to things that are a matter of opinion, just because he thinks something, because he thinks doing a casual relationship is perfectly fine for his needs, doesn't mean he's an evil person. It doesn't mean he's trying to hurt you or trying to use you. It doesn't mean he can't say legitimately that he loves you. It just means he's not going to tell you to stop seeing him just because he doesn't intend on marrying you. You have to pay attention to whether you're dating a guy who wants the same thing that you do and is headed down that path. You have to pay attention to how he's treating you. Went out with 300 people. It was very, it would be very easy to call me a player. I never felt like a player. I felt like a sincere marriage and family-oriented guy who was not going to remain celibate for as long as it took me to find a wife. <laughs> and so I dated a lot and I had some fun. And But if I'm the person who doesn't call someone after a date, suddenly you could say, well, whatever you want about me which may or may not have a basis in truth. And this is part of the danger, especially I'm talking very specifically about dating. And so for my experience as a, as a man, it's all I got, is that you know what it's like to be a woman. I think the Barbie movie does a really great job of painting a nuanced picture. And the Barbies are a bit are a caricature. Ken is even more of a caricature. The patriarchy is more of a caricature. But it does a job of telling a story about how the world is Right, rather than necessarily how we want it to be. But I would encourage you for every time you think that it's impossible to be a woman, for all the aforementioned reasons that you already know, consider the idea or the possibility that it is hard to be a man as well. It's just a different kind of hard. It's hard to be the breadwinner all the time, pay for your own birthday gifts. It's hard to feel the pressure of having to support your family and pick up the check every time and to plan everything and to and plan every date and to pay for college myself 
and to pay for our retirement myself. And that's the bargain I struck. I'm not really complaining. I'm just saying that's a lot of pressure. If I have a bad month, it's hard to want to be a, a, the world's best husband and do everything right and still find that you're attracted to other people. Does that make me a bad guy? I think it makes me a guy, but someone else will say that I'm a bad guy because I find myself attracted to other people. I don't act on it. There's, I'm never going to act on it, but these are things that are worth saying out loud. There's many things that come with being a guy where it's certainly it's showing vulnerability, showing emotion. I'm like a crazy sports fan. You wouldn't know that from the podcast, but I know everything about sports. Big New York sports guy. I went to Duke, like really into sports, but there's only so much you can talk about sports. And so I remember years ago, I was watching football with a bunch of guy friends and um, I was doing some self-help because that's who I am. And I asked one of my guy friends, I was like, so, you know, what's, I'm really trying to get feedback on myself, constructive feedback. And the guy was like, yeah, all the guys think you're kind of like a chick. And I was like, well, huh? What? <laughs> you know, you're always like going deep and want to talk about feelings and asking everybody about their relationships. And I was like, there's only so long we could talk about Aaron Rodgers pass, passer rating, right? On, on Saturday or our fantasy football teams. Like eventually I want to talk about something real. And they're like, yeah, that's why you're, that's why you're a chick. And that's what it's like to be a guy is just the hint of sharing anything in certain circles is frowned upon. No guy is ever going to compliment you. Women compliment each other all the time. No guy is going to give you a real sincere hug. You don't get a little bro hug. You don't ever get a real sincere hug from a guy. Women touch each other all the time. That's a, it's a, more lonely, stoic world. So if you ever want to understand why guys are the way they are, whether where we parse it out and separate sociology from biology to, you know, why guys are the way they are, I think it's just useful to know that we're having a different experience and that the majority of the men who write to you online, even if they're unattractive to you, even if they're stupid for you, they're probably normal human beings who are sad and lonely and confused about why it's so hard to make a living, get respect of women be attractive, be a man, be sensitive enough, all those internal contradictions, man. Oh, we need a guy who, who makes a lot of money. Well, to be a guy who makes a lot of money usually have, means you have to work a lot. Usually if you work a lot, you're not as emotionally available. You find a guy who's emotionally available because he's a high school English teacher who's home at four. You say, I need a guy who makes more money than the high school English teacher. All right. I want a guy who, right, is, is over six feet tall. That's 14% of the population. Why does that have a lot of value? Don't know, but it does the same way that being thin with big boobs has a lot of value, but it's not the measure of a person. So we're just kind of constantly overlooking each other and diminishing each other's humanity. And so if you get anything from the Barbie movie, and I do suggest you watch it, it's, it's entertaining, it's funny at, at, at certain points. There's definitely some laugh out loud moments. Realize it's not what all the, the caricature critics are saying. It's not the right wing saying that this is, you know, some, <laughs> some like... Uh, you know, woke movie. And it's not the left wing saying that, you know, men are all bad. It's nothing like that at all. It is a unique exploratory look at gender roles and expectations in 2023. And if you are a woman uh, and you, you, you find this topic as interesting as I do, you might want to check it out in a theater and go to a big bar Barbie party and wear your pink so that you can really get the, the full experience out of it. I did not have that experience. Nonetheless, I thank you for listening to me on the Love You podcast today and my thoughts on Barbie. I've been spending my whole life thinking, when am I going to ever publicly be able to talk about Barbie? Today was the day. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and your comments uh, below. 
And I look forward to seeing you on the next Love You podcast. Thanks a lot. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Thanks for tuning into the Love You podcast. For more episodes like this on YouTube, click the subscribe button, ring the bell, and choose all to get notified when new content comes out. If you're on Apple or Spotify, please leave a written review, which helps to amplify this podcast to other high-achieving women who are ready for love. And if you want a man who makes you feel safe, heard, and understood, go to www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash apply and watch my free video about how you could fix your broken man picker. When you're done, apply to Love You to join other women in the coaching community where you'll gain confidence, raise your standards for what you expect from men, and get the relationship you deserve. I'll see you there.